Hope everyone's having a good day. Just finishing up with, uh, with my clinic for the day. Jumping on live to answer a couple questions. Hey, how are you? How are you doing, Kathy? Thanks for joining. So basically, um, had a full day of clinic today. Um, booked some patients for surgery. And uh, for you, those of you who don't know me, I'm Dr. Matthew Harb. I'm an orthopedic surgeon. I focus on uh, mainly hip and knee replacement surgery. <clears throat> and uh, I do a lot of outpatient operations, a lot of same-day surgeries. Hey, how's it going? Thanks for joining. Just jumping on live to, uh, I'm trying, I'm going to try and do these kind of once a night to, uh, to answer any questions you guys have, um, see how everyone's doing. And, um, these things are pretty, pretty enjoyable for me. I love educating and answering questions. <clears throat> oh, from Nepal. That's awesome. There's a great, um, you know, the, there's the hike to the Everest base camp in Nepal. That's something I've really wanted to do. I've heard phenomenal things about that hike. I'm a big hiker. I uh, usually go with, go with my family, and uh, that's, like, on my list of destinations to do. So, um, you know, I think that that airport's, like, one of the most dangerous airports to fly in to. Um, but that's awesome. You know, Nepal hopefully can get out there someday. <clears throat> Any relief for osteochondroma in the scapula? I would say that's probably a pretty rare place to have osteochondromas in the scapula. So an osteochondroma, for those of you guys who don't know, it's actually a bone tumor. Um, it's that the cartilage uh, forms into this bone tumor and it can be uh, on a big stalk, which can rub on like your nerves and muscles and things like that and uh, create a lot of irritation. Um, you have other ones that are uh, not is stalk-like and they basically just sit on top of the bone. They're usually pretty benign. Some of them can turn cancerous. Um, if they rub on the muscles too hard or uh, rub on the nerves, then you got to remove them. So uh, it depends. Is your osteochondroma uh, rubbing on muscles and nerves or is it uh, just kind of on the bone and just sitting there? So if it's rubbing, then you go in there, surgically take it out. Had a knee replacement. Uh, six months ago, you know, you should be getting stronger. You can have some residual numbness around the incision. It's not uncommon. You have nerves on your skin. Anytime we make a surgical incision, um, you're at risk for some, uh, that those nerves have to heal. And uh, so it's not uncommon, especially on the, what we call lateral aspect, meaning the outside part of the knee, um, to have a little bit of numbness. <clears throat> your scat, uh, Yeah, I do get patients who have had a PAO. So PAO, for those of you guys who don't know, is a massive operation. It's a, called a periacetabular osteotomy. Basically, it's for young patients who um, their hip was never covered at birth. So there's something called dysplasia. Dysplasia is when part of your body doesn't form correctly. Uh, it happens in childhood. And um, if you have really severe dysplasia, then your hip is like completely dislocated as a kid. Um, we do casting, we sometimes do surgery to put it back. If that hip de doesn't de develop correctly and the hip is dislocated for a long period of time um, and you get into your 20s or 30s, then uh, 
you need something called a, you can get a periacetabular osteotomy. That means we're actually cutting your pelvis and reshifting your hip socket to try and cover the uh, head of the femur more. And by covering the head of the femur more, it tries to prevent like long-term arthritis and things like that. The issue is it's a very sensitive operation. Um, you know, there's a, anytime you're cutting the pelvis, that's a really big operation. Uh, so sometimes people will just opt to get a hip replacement instead. If the PAO fails, meaning you have the operation and you still have significant pain and dysfunction, then the next step is to go on to a hip replacement. So, um, yes, I have done uh, hip replacements on patients with PAO. Just had a hip replacement two weeks ago. Did you have a posterior or an anterior hip replacement? And was it in the hospital or was it outpatient would be my questions. Um, I'm doing a lot of anterior hip replacements. I'm doing a lot of outpatient hip replacements. I hope you're having a very good, uh, good recovery and working hard in physical therapy. <clears throat> Rank your favorite to least favorite. I don't know. I love all the orthopedic subspecialties. I love tumor surgery. I love spine surgery, you know, but when you're in a big city, you have to kind of be specialized or you're not competitive and you can't really grow your, um, it's difficult to grow your practice. You broke your clavicle three times. Did you ever have surgery for it uh, would be the question. Um, if you've broken it that many times, you know, a lot of the times the clavicle can just heal um, without any surgery. You get a slight bump. Sometimes it can rub on your bra if you're female. Um, but uh, yeah. So you may need like bone grafting or something like that. Um, yeah, that's not good. Any, oh, yeah, okay. Um, yeah, so you may need like a bone grafting. It's hard if you have two surgeries that fail, then the next one is usually, um, you know, try not to fall on it or get the plate removed and just leave it or, you know, do a bone grafting procedure with like uh, some type of auto graft, which means taking your bone from some other part of your body to try and get it to heal. Compression fractures usually heal. Um, they may take a while, can take anywhere from like three, four months to really heal. You know, I would get an osteoporosis workup if you have a risk of uh, compression fractures. <clears throat> Do you consult medicine if a patient's taking one medication or? <laughs> uh, no, so the, um, it depends what hospital you're at. And like, I'm in private practice, so you know, it's not a university center. It's not a, you know, not an academic center. So, um, you know, medicine loves it when they get consults. So medicine loves taking care of the orthopedic patients at, at the hospital I work at. Um, cause it's, uh, it's all private practice. Um, let's see. Thanks. I appreciate it. I mean, I love doing what I do. Um, you know, one of the greatest, the most rewarding things is you take someone who doesn't walk, they come into you, they're hobbling in or they're in a wheelchair and you diagnose them with arthritis and you give them a surgery uh, or, uh, you know, they come in with this horrible trauma, like terrible ski accident super athletic people. Um, and then you have people walk again. And that's like incredibly rewarding. I think out of medicine, like, you know, for me, I didn't want to treat cancer patients for, um, you know, five, 10, 20 years with chronic conditions that there's no cure, you know, in orthopedics, there's a cure. And as a doctor, I like to get people better. And I think orthopedics is, 
you know, the gateway to that because you come in, something's messed up, you fix it, and then you hopefully get your life back. So that's what I love. I love about uh, orthopedic surgery. I wouldn't trade my job for the world. <clears throat> surgery available for arthritis in the ankles. You, uh, oh, shout out to the ortho PT. Um, arthritis in the ankles, you can do an injection, you could do a scope, you could do an ankle replacement, or you could do an ankle fusion is really the options. <clears throat> do you have any advice for incoming third year student interested in ortho? Ortho is a desirable surgical subspecialty, um, partially because uh, we are very, we're high earners and um, also because the procedures are really fun. And so orthopedics is one of the uh, most difficult specialties to get into. So a lot of people now are taking off between their second and third year med, med school and um, they're uh, taking a research year and basically doing research to make themselves more competitive for orthopedics. So um that's something to think about doing. If you're really wholeheartedly considering orthopedics, think about if you don't have research papers, think, think about taking a year off, maybe getting some research um, or working closely with someone who can help guide you. My favorite orthopedic medical device to use. Well, I implant hip and knee replacements and I use orthopedic medical devices all the time. Uh, you know, there's really I've used all of them. Um, I won't say one. My favorite is the one that gives a patient a good outcome. So if I can use an implant that gives a patient a good outcome, I'm all about it. Um, do you prefer Stryker Zimmo or Zimmer Biomet? It depends on the operation. I've used both companies for different things. Like I'll use Zimmer for their partial, um, their patellofemoral replacement or their partial knee. I use Stryker for my revision knees. Um, does anyone use CPM anymore? So if people don't know what CPM is, CPM was basically you would have a surgery and after the surgery, you would hook your foot um, into this machine and the machine basically just keeps cranking, cranking, cranking and bringing your foot in a circle. What we've noticed is we've done a lot of studies on CPM and uh, there's no difference in final range of motion. So a lot of that early on motion is um, trauma to the knee or joint that you're working on. So we've actually stopped using CPM. So the continuous passive motion machines, we don't use those anymore. Um, I just get my patients up right after surgery and I get them walking. Um, and I do most of my uh, surgeries as outpatients. So they're same day operations. Uh, they're getting their hip and knee replacement and then they're going home, going home the same day. Um, going back to teaching Zumba, yeah, I have patients who go back to dance, yoga, um, I have some patients do a couple crazy things like aerial acrobatics or aerial yoga. Um, you know, you could definitely do that provided you're given the right implant, you have a successful surgery. It's something you did before surgery. Can a labrum, yeah, labrum in your hip can definitely heal. You know, people who are at risk for hip labrum tears are, um, are, uh, people who are at risk for, uh, femoral acetabular impingement or, um, or EDS or uh, hypermobility syndrome. Um, so that can commonly cause a labrum tear and labrums can, uh, can heal. I make shoulder stems for Zimmer Biomag. I mean, that's great. You know, there's so many people behind the scenes. So, you know, many of you may not know this, but it takes a really a whole team to do an orthopedic operation. So 
you know, I work with, in the operating room, I have an anesthesiologist. The anesthesiologist may have a, a CRNA, so a, or an anesthesia tech that works with them. Um, I have a physician assistant. I also have a first assist, which could be a surgical assist. It could be a resident. It could be another PA that works at the facility. We have a scrub tech. I have a representative in the room. I have an x-ray tech in the room. I have a circulator nurse in the room. Um, so there's a big team that makes um, procedures and operations uh, flow. I do total hips and total knees. How is orthopedic residency? So, you know, a lot of you don't, uh, surgical residency is grueling. Um, there was a sign that hung up on our call room door and it said, uh, the beatings will continue until morale improves. And so as a resident, you know, and this is true for most surgical residencies, which I know in this day and age sounds like barbaric, but, um, you know, you're worked to the bone. You don't get a lot of sleep. You are working 80 hour work weeks. You are not getting paid a lot of money. Um, and so orthopedic residency is tough, but, you know, you come out of it. I think the American system trains surgeons to be good. Um, and I think you come out of it well prepared. <clears throat> Can I pitch you medical billing? We actually just uh, went internal with our medical billing. Um, so that's a cost savings uh, to a private practice group, if you can go internally with that. <clears throat> do you do posterior anterior approach for total hip? I do uh, anterior approach for all of my primary hips, which means patients who have arthritis. And um, if they need a big revision surgery or they had a previous posterior approach, then I will do a posterior uh, surgery. <clears throat> Yeah, I've done correction surgeries for femoral antiversion. I would say usually antiversion correction surgeries are more of a pediatric surgeon type uh, procedure. Um, and so, and so um, you're correcting. Basically, if you guys don't know what femoral antiversion is, it means that the rotation of your femur has malformed. So um, when little kids sit in like a W position, we try to get them to avo uh, avoid that because that, that can increase their femoral antiversion. <clears throat> and um, and uh, so you may have to derotate the femur. It's an uncommon procedure, but uh, it does happen from time to time. Favorite medical shows? Okay, so... I really just watch like, I mean, I think everyone does this now. We watch like Netflix or, or whatever. But back in the day, I really liked Scrubs and I really liked, uh, I liked, I liked House and I liked uh, Nip Tuck. And I think I, I never really watched any of the other ones. Like I never got into, it's hard. Once you start like going through your medical training and things like that, you're like, I can't, I can't watch this because it's so much for drama and it's not actually what happens. <clears throat> Indiana. Um, yeah, I do. I do total knees. Um, and, uh, I, there's a guy, there's a, um, I think one of my patients is in the chat from, from Texas who, who flew up. Um, but yeah, you know, people do telemedicine visits for me. You can, uh, with me, you can click the link in my bio. There's a link for telehealth. Um, you know, we can do a consult. You can fly here. Um, if you have an MS, uh, it depends on level of dysfunction. So if you have MS and you want to have quad function for a total knee replacement, um, you know, I would want to get it under control, make the multiple sclerosis stable. I'm doing a hip replacement on a patient with MS, uh, tomorrow. And, um, 
you want to make sure that that all the muscles around the knee uh, are stable. <clears throat> I own the rights to my idea. That's great. <laughs> uh, total knee replacement. Awesome. Hope you're doing well. So it sounds like stable. That's awesome. Yeah, fishing for 16 hours. Hope you're doing. Hope you're doing well, buddy. Uh, that's great. Normal for, for shoulder to be painful, pop five. Usually the shoulder doesn't pop that much. Um, as long as, you know, my joints crack, like my shoulders, my knees pop. It's not uncommon to have popping knees or uh, popping joints. As long as it's not associated with pain. If it's associated with pain, um, then something more could be going on. Um, and uh, sometimes you may need like a workup, like an MRI, like an injection. Um, there's many different reasons that a shoulder can pop. For bilateral knees, um, so I usually don't recommend doing both knees at the same time because the recovery can be a lot more intense. The complication rate's a little higher, blood loss is a little higher, infection rate is a little higher. Um, so I usually say if you're going to do them, stagger them. If you really want to get them done right away, you could do four or six weeks apart. Um, but recovery, you know, most of your recovery is kind of within the first eight weeks or so, but you're going to make improvements even six months, nine months, a year after the operation. Um, but uh, you'll be walking pretty early on and you'll get off the walker pretty quickly. Pre-medical student advice, um, you know, if you want to do orthopedics, try and get some orthopedic research, try and um, find a preceptor and a mentor who's going to help you along the way. That's going to be really helpful. Get research, make friends with the orthopedic residents, uh, make friends with the orthopedic lab. Uh, do I train other surgeons on MIS totals? Yes. So I have a surgery center, um, which I'm an owner in, and I have people come and watch me and uh um, you know, I do teach other people how to do, um, do operations. You know, there's a big discrepancy. A lot of, um, older surgeons may not do like direct anterior approaches or more minimally invasive surgeries. Um, so there is, you know, a massive amount of, uh, learning that goes into orthopedics. How do you seek out orthopedic research in medical school? Well, First, I would uh, probably reach out to one of the residents or maybe find one of the um, MS4 students who wants to go into orthopedics at your medical school and say, hey, I'm interested. What can I do to expedite this track? I'd reach out to the chairman of the orthopedic department, say you're interested in orthopedic research. Each school usually has a department and um, you can focus on helping out the, uh, the orthopedic research team. And uh, that's one way to do it. They always need medical students to collect data, to write, uh, write research uh, reports and to uh, get papers published. And if you can't do it at your university, then there's probably a university right down the road that does it. Thanks, Joe. I appreciate it. Tore my hamstring. Um, 
if you tear your hamstring off the pelvis, you may have a surgery to reattach it. If you tear your hamstring by the knee, that is a less common, um, less common surgery to do uh, by the knee. Usually you just let it scar in and um, some anti-inflammatory medications, some physical therapy, um, and that usually helps. Uh, you could get an MRI to look at it a little better, but not usually doing surgical repair by the knee. No, um, look, as far as the, the research question, I think this is incredibly important. There is so much, you know, you're going through school, there's so much um, that you don't know, you only see what's in front of you and you have this tunnel of what's right ahead. It is not weird to go to another school to get research. It is good. It is something that other people aren't gonna do. It is something that puts you ahead of the curve. It is something that um, that's, shows motivation on your part. Like, what do you, when you interview someone, what do you want, uh, who do you want to hire? Who do you want to be a medical student? Who do you want to be a, a, a resident or someone to work uh, for you? And you want someone who's motivated. You want someone who's going to think outside the box, who's going to go the extra mile, who's going to work hard. And uh, so going to another school to get your research shows, um, it shows motivation. It is a good, and that's, you know, that's a, a plus in multiple levels. It's not just about the research. It's about who you are as a person. So um, that's thinking outside the box. Yeah, so I treat a lot of sickle cell patients. I actually worked in Brooklyn for a few years. Um, sickle cell, the, if you guys don't know what sickle cell is, um, the blood cells are not, they're not formed right. So they basically a blood cell is supposed to be round. When a blood cell sickles, it basically turns into like a crescent shape. And when it turns into a crescent shape, it doesn't work properly. It flows, uh, it gets clogged when it flows. And so if you clog the veins, which is the returning blood, you get this venous congestion. And if you get venous congestion in your bones, then your bones die. And if your bones die, they collapse. And that's called avascular necrosis. And so avascular necrosis can happen from a couple different things. It could happen from sickle cell disease. It could happen from long-term steroid use. It could happen from autoimmune diseases like lupus. Um, it, can be, uh, it can be traumatic, meaning if you break your hip and the blood supply is damaged, then you get avascular necrosis. If you... Um, it could be idiopathic, which means it just happens and you get really unlucky and your bone dies. Um, and yes, uh, avascular necrosis is a reason to do a, a hip or knee replacement. Have you seen perthes? Yep. I, uh, if patients have perthes, they, the, uh, the demographic for perthes is usually by about 40 to 60 years of age. People with perthes tend to develop arthritis of their hips. So I am usually replacing their hip. Um, in that kind of age range for Perthes disease. So obviously it can present sooner. Perthes is similar to avascular necrosis, but it's basically as a child, you get collapse of part of your uh, ball and socket joint. And because of that collapse, um, you can see your femoral head tends to be really flat. You get early arthritis. And so I've replaced joints with patients with Perthes. Yep, a more uncommon diagnosis, but definitely seen. <clears throat>
Thoughts on bridged enhanced ACL repairs. Um, you know, the ACL repair technique is kind of tried and true. It's, uh, you know, bone, patella, bone, patella, uh, bone, patella, bone is the best way to repair an ACL. Um, you know, there's no scaffolding or no bridging techniques where we can get an ACL to heal at the normal tension. So, um, you know, I think we're going to continue to work on that, but, uh, and we need to for emerging technologies, but we're not quite there yet. Would you say it's uh, would you say it's hard to get where you are today? I would say yes, it's hard to get where I am today. Um, you know, it takes you in order to match into orthopedics. You have to one, you have to be at the top of your med school class. You have to be at the top in the percentage in the country for step scores. Um, you have to have a really strong resume, and then you have to make it into residency. From residency, you have to excel. You have to do well to match into uh, your desired fellowship program. And then uh, after fellowship, then you're, then you're a, um, a surgeon and you're out, out in the world operating. So uh, orthopedics is probably one of the most competitive specialties to get into. So definitely difficult. I mean, I've replaced people's hips. I did a, like uh, the, other, the other week, I did a 28 year old, um, and uh, he had a previous hip fracture. So I don't know what age Gen X, uh, Gen Xers are, but yeah, I mean, I've operated on 18 year olds for a hip replacement, 20, 22. Obviously I don't want to, but uh, if they have a terrible hip and they need it and that's the best procedure, then I'm gonna do that procedure for them. So um, people come in, they, they people are born with bad hips, people have, traumatic injuries that ruin their hips, people get infections that ruin their hips, um, and all those things uh, can affect you. So if you need a hip replacement and you're young and you have arthritis for some reason, then, you know, uh, I'll take care of it. Broke my hip at 28. Hopefully they fixed you with some plates and screws and put, put the hip back good. So you're at risk for what's called avascular necrosis. So hopefully your surgeon counseled you on this and said you broke your hip. If the blood supply gets compromised, you can develop early arthritis. <clears throat> and so like for those, like if you develop early arthritis, then I may have to take the hardware out and put a new hip replacement in. Repaired meniscus? Um, I don't, uh, yes, I've repaired meniscus. Most of the time we're doing meniscectomy. Um, the popliteus is a different tendon. Uh, it's close to the meniscus, but it's not, it's behind the meniscus on the lateral side. Um, I'm part of a private practice, so I'm not employed by a hospital. No problem, I hope everything goes well with his uh, his hip replacement. Um, if you need any advice or anything, don't, don't hesitate to reach out. Um, you know, my booklets are, on for my hip replacement, my hip replacement booklets are on my website. My website's through my link in the bio. If uh, if you want to give that to him, it may, it may be helpful. You know, if you're if, if you slip and fell in the rain, uh, did you see a doctor and get an X-ray? That would probably be my next best recommendation.
But I appreciate you guys logging on. I really like doing these um, these question sessions. I'm going to probably try and do more, um, try and do one each day just to answer some questions. So I appreciate everyone. Uh, thanks, thanks for following. Um, and if you guys don't know, I have a YouTube channel. I'm trying to grow that. I'm going to post more more videos on there, hopefully more intraoperative and surgical stuff um, on my YouTube channel. And um, so I appreciate it. So thanks for logging on. I'll, uh, I'll see you guys. I may try and log on tonight, but um, have a good night, everyone.